The Leslie Marshall Show, the only true democracy in talk radio, of, for, and by you, the people, live nationwide and streaming live at LeslieMarshallShow.com. Call in with your thoughts at 888-6-LESLIE. How you doing? Happy Tuesday. I'm Leslie Marshall. Welcome, welcome back. Only True Democracy in Talk Radio of, for, and by you, the people. Lots to talk about in this hour. We have a great guest joining us. You've heard from him before, and we're glad to have him back again. His name is Scott and Paul, and he's president of the Alliance for American Manufacturing. The AAM is a partnership established by some of America's leading manufacturers and the United Steelworkers Union. And for years now, Scott and the AAM have worked to make American manufacturing a top-of-mind issue for voters, and we certainly saw that in the last election, the presidential election. And they do it with our national leaders through effective advocacy, innovative research, and a savvy PR strategy, including keeping it top of mind for voters. And like I said, it certainly was. More than a pleasure to have with us, and Happy New Year, Scott and Paul, president of the AAM. Hey, Scott. Leslie, Happy New Year to you. I don't think there's an expiration date on that yet. It's uh, good to connect with you again in this new year. Oh, absolutely. Awesome. Uh, We have a lot going on in Washington. We have an inauguration coming up of a new president. Some of us happy about it. Some of us, like me, sad. Um, But Congress is looking at a number of other things, and we're not just talking about trying to dismantle what the president has put forth over the years. Um, Let's look at a few things and break it down. Um, First of which are many appointments, obviously, when you have a new president and a new political party, you have new nominees. And there are quite a few appointees, including uh, Robert, uh, I never say his name right. Is it Lighthizer or Litizer? Um, You got it, Lighthizer. Lighthizer, yeah. I got it right the first time, Scott, usually the second or third, but good. Robert Lighthizer is a U.S. trade representative. There's also Wilbur Ross. uh, That would be actually a U.S. trade representative, Robert Lighthizer. Wilbur Ross would be Commerce Secretary. Um, Just with these two appointees from where you stand as president of the Alliance for American Manufacturing and you care about manufacturing and you care about bringing jobs back to America, which obviously many Americans did and felt Donald Trump could do more so than Hillary Clinton. What type of a message, Scott, do you feel that Donald Trump is trying to send with these appointees? I'll add one more. Peter Navarro for White House National Trade Council. Uh, What type of a message do you think Trump is trying to send with these appointees? Yeah, Leslie, it's a good question, and ultimately, uh, you can have great people in administration, but if the leadership isn't there, if the policy isn't there, it, it, it makes little difference, uh, so there's still a long way to go, but, but, it, but it's interesting, you know, you're progressive, I'm progressive, progressives don't run into a lot of these Trump 
nominees unless they're on the other side of them in in big fights. But the the trade lineup, kind of the trade manufacturing lineup, is a little bit of a different story here. And you know, Wilbur Ross, yes, he is a billionaire CEO. Um, he is a, he is not a man of the working people. But I don't think he pretends to be. Uh, but he. You know, has worked very successfully and did with Leo Girard uh, more than a decade ago to keep some steel plant steel plants open to keep them uh, from going bankrupt. And um, and was someone who believed that if if the blue collar workforce had to make sacrifices, then the white collar workforce did as well. And you know, that's that's a glimpse into. Wilbur Ross, how he operates. In fact, I think that you know Leo Girard and the steelworkers have actually endorsed uh, his appointment to be the Commerce Secretary. And, and my interactions with Wilbur Ross have been positive as well. Uh, he during the auto rescue, he he fervently believed, unlike a lot of business leaders, that the uh, that the, that the the car companies needed to be rescued, and that was important for the entire economy. And so I I had high regard. For him there, Peter Navarro, um, someone who has worked with uh, trade critics, including those in the labor movement, uh, in the past, and he is a an unorthodox economist from uh, you know from, from the, the the greater Los Angeles area. He's a professor at UC Irvine, and um, and I think brings a, a really interesting perspective uh, into the White House. I'm not going to call him a progressive economist, uh, but on trade, you know, he's been, he's been a critic of our trade practices with China, uh, the the North American Free Trade Agreement, the Trans-Pacific Partnership, and these are issues that you and I have talked about for for some time now. Uh, and Bob Lighthizer. Again, I'm not going to pretend like he is a friend of working people. You know, he he was the treasurer of Bob Dole's presidential campaign in 1996. Uh, he's been in Republican politics for a long time, uh, but he's represented industries that employ workers in the United States, and he's gone to bat for them on trade cases. And you know, again, working with unions like the steelworkers have been able to get trade actions that have saved uh, saved some jobs. So I, you know, if you were to ask me to name three Republicans to fit into the Obama administration in those roles, I'd have a better, I'd have a hard time figuring out uh, a, a better trio. Um, I don't know what they're going to do, Leslie, and I don't know what other uh, factors are going to be playing here or what Trump is or is not going to do, but I do think uh, it's important at least to acknowledge that uh, when you look at these uh, these appointments that uh, it appears to be uh, a step in the right direction. And this is very different than some of his other appointments. If you look in other areas outside of trade or commerce, like Jeff Sessions, just using that as an example, um, you know, obviously when it comes to TPP, Progressives, even far left of other uh, mainstream Democrats like the Bernie or Bus people, even some of the, uh, you know, Gary Johnson, Jill Stein folks, uh, adamantly, uh, vehemently opposed to TPP. This is an area where there could be and should be bipartisan support, uh, not only what's best uh, in the best interest of the American economy, but the American worker. This is an area where Trump. Uh, I don't know if he's on the right. It depends on what issue. But, you know, where incoming President Trump 
um, is in agreement with progressives, and perhaps that's why these picks uh, don't look as radical as uh, others outside of trade and commerce areas. Yeah, it's interesting. The, the, to the extent that these, pick, these picks seem radical, Leslie, it's like the Wall Street Journal and the free trade crowd who's, who's screaming and pulling their, 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 their hair out about this uh, because uh, they, 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 they don't really adhere to the traditional Republican conservative ideology on this. Um, and uh, and so it's, it's, it is going to be unusual because I think, you know, progressives are going to have a lot of fights, uh, you know, moving forward. Um, you pointed out Jeff Sessions, who's, you know, in, in hearings um, for, for his nomination and, and the, the Secretary of Labor. And, and, look, the list will go on. Um, I, I think on trade, you know, I look at things that Senator Schumer of New York has said about working with Trump on currency manipulation or... Senator Sherrod Brown from Ohio has said about working with Trump on NAFTA renegotiation, um, and uh, and I think there is the space to to do some things, and I think that's an area where we're going to need to put politics aside and to see if we can get a better trade policy uh, for working people uh, in this uh, in, in this country. That doesn't mean there's going to be battles in these other areas, but but I do think that there uh, may be some opportunities for. Uh, for productive uh, cooperation uh, on, on trade. Um, I want to talk about um, China. You and I have talked about China a lot. Peter Navarro um, is a strident uh, China critic, but this is a good thing for many progressives, certainly for manufacturing or bringing jobs back to America. Um, uh, let's talk why. We've talked in the past about China manipulating currency. Uh, we see how they're trying to punish American companies there in China. And, and, and quite frankly, we need to be more than a critic of China, but you know, we need to get our companies and, you know, productivity and manufacturing out of China and back to America. So, you know, maybe not being such buddies and cozying up to China is a good thing to have such a strident critic uh, of China like Peter Navarro. Uh, well, yes. And, and Peter Navarro is not going to make the Chinese government happy <laughs> because because he has I mean, he has a he has a book and a movie called Death by China. So that's that's pretty hardcore. Um but when you look at, I'll say he's all, but, but he's very thoughtful. Uh, we, we published a book uh, in in 2010 on on manufacturing, and Peter Navarro was kind enough to write a chapter for us about trade policy with China, uh, and it was it was very uh, academically based. It was good quality research, and it pointed out all the unfair advantages that producers in China had because of lower labor costs, lower environmental regulation, because of uh, currency manipulation, because of government subsidies, uh, and it was really, you know, it was not, uh, I mean, you know, Trump sometimes paints things with a very broad brush uh, and splatters, but but, Trump, but, but, but uh, Peter Navarro's analysis on China uh, was very to the point, very thoughtful, uh, and he's a smart guy. I mean, he's a, he's a Harvard-trained economist uh, who sees the world a little bit differently, um, and on a lot of this, I, I tend to agree with him. I think he's right. I think we have had a raw deal. Now, the question is, how much power? Will Peter Navarro wield within this White House? And there's going to be a lot of competition there. And how much leadership does Trump? 
focus on manufacturing and trade after the election. Yep, absolutely. A lot of people say things and make promises in a campaign and don't follow through. We're going to take a quick break with Scott. We'll be back with you here on the only true democracy in talk radio. If you have questions, pick up the phone and join us. 888-6-LESLIE, 888-653-7543. What do you think of some of these appointees? Robert Lighthouser, U.S. Trade Rep. Wilbur Ross for Commerce Secretary. Peter Navarro for White House National Trade Council. How do you like somebody who is very uh, critical and been a very vocal critic of China? like Peter Navarro. Um, How do you like people who are tough on trade? And is this an area where you might see, if you're there on the left, more eye-to-eye with Trump's appointees, at least in this scenario, in trade and commerce? Comments, questions, pick up the phone and join us, 888-6-LESLIE, 888-653-7543. Quick break during the break. Follow Scott on Twitter, at ScottPaulAAM. The website, AmericanManufacturing.org. Follow me on Twitter at Leslie Marshall. I'll incorporate your tweets, but call us. It is a talk show, 888-6-LESLIE-MORE after this. Leslie Marshall, when the truth matters. Give her a call now at 888-6-LESLIE. Follow him on Twitter, at Scott Paul AAM. Uh, you were talking before the break about Trump tapping uh, Peter Navarro um, for uh, trade or, you know, specifically for an appointment as, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, the White House National Trade Council. And in that position, you talked before the break about how Peter Navarro is staunch critic um, of uh, China. Um, being a staunch critic of, of China, would do you feel Navarro in this type of a position, Scott, um, like you said, you know, definitely China would not be happy about this. But would he be able to address the uh, currency manipulation that you and I have talked about at length here on the program uh, that China is active in? It's a great question, Leslie. And we we started to touch on like some of the infighting that occurs in any administration, and uh, not to get too far into the weeds, but the the currency issue, which is a big one and which does impact our competitiveness. The Treasury Department also has a say about that. So he'll have to be working with the Treasury Secretary, um, you know, perhaps even with uh, the the President's Twitter feed, uh, which which may be making a lot of policy and. And trying to uh, and try to get some things done. I look. I'm optimistic. I know that you know at least you know knowing Peter Navarro, that his his head his head is in the right place. Uh, he has a good sense of policy. Um, it, it's a strong indication to me that um, there, there there are some possibilities for progress to be made. And I will also say that you know this is going to feel unusual because there may be some places where uh, progressives are aligned on with Trump on some of these issues, and and Trump is battling uh, Mitch McConnell and Paul Ryan. Uh, and the Chamber of Commerce uh, and others, and I, you know, it's hard to size up exactly how this is going to look and feel, because.
because I know that there will be some very pitched battles with the Trump administration, uh, but it's something that I think that we should all think about and, and be aware of as we look uh, down the road a couple of weeks. I agree, uh, ab- absolutely. And you know, look, you gotta you gotta have some silver linings, and you also have to have some overlap. I think um, it's a- a- essential. Um, I think it's fair to say that we have a China problem. Be specific with what our China problem is. And also, can you address, Scott, in your position as president of the Alliance for American Manufacturing, do you feel the president-elect needs to lead by example? As you know, the majority of Trump products are made in Asian countries, China included. Uh, look, you know, I, I think that, and, and, and we've had lots of conversations about this, that, uh, you know, while Trump's campaign gear was made in the United States, uh, you know, most Trump-branded products are not. Um, I think that they should be. Um, and I, I don't know how the business, uh, you know, the, the, the branding and all of that is going to get handled um, a- after he assumes the presidency. Uh, but but it's a, it, I think it's a significant change uh, that, that should be made, um, absolutely. And, and, when you, and, and Trump will give the excuse, well, you just can't find this in the United States. Uh, we, we know this is not the case. There are, there are lots of uh, potential uh, manufacturers to source from for uh, virtually anything that uh, Trump, uh, the, the, the Trump would put his name on and, and brand, uh, from clothing to, uh, to, to furniture uh, and everything in between. Uh, now, you asked about the China problem as well, and I think this is important. You know, obviously, your listeners, they go to the store, they find a lot of stuff that's made in China. Um, you know, most people overlook that because, you know, you're getting it for a pretty cheap price um, and, and everybody has a budget. Uh, I, I think the, the, the larger problem, however, is that the United States has an enormous trade imbalance with China that's grown exponentially over the last 16 years. Um, and it's added up to something called the trade deficit, which is an economic figure that comes out every, every month. But, but really what's happened is you've seen devastation in communities like Lorain, Ohio, and Buffalo, New York, right. and Fairfield, Alabama, and, and it goes on. And so that's the tangible pain that I think a lot of people were feeling right. um, before the election. We're going to take a quick break. Back with Scott and Paul, president of the Alliance for American Manufacturing. Check out their website, AmericanManufacturing.org. On Twitter, follow Scott at Scott Paul AAM. Democracy in Talk Radio. Scott, thanks for holding. Welcome back. Before you and I continue our conversation, uh, let's take some 
Uh, oh, oh, okay. Give us a buzz back. Ishmael in Virginia was on line three. Give us a buzz back. And speaking of, give us a call because we're halfway done with the hour. And if you have questions, comments, opinions, concerns, especially for Scott with regard to manufacturing and especially regarding to these appointees like Robert Lighthizer for U.S. Trade Representative, Wilbur Ross for Commerce Secretary, like Scott said, he thinks the USW has endorsed that pick. Peter Navarro, White House National Trade Council. Um, and as a progressive, uh, some of these uh, uh, progressives are pre- Raising some picks um, like uh, Peter Navarro, and you've heard um, Scott talk about this. So if you are one of those individuals, give us a buzz, and uh, we'd love to hear from you. Or maybe not. Maybe your progressive says, Leslie, I don't like this. I don't like these picks, and why? Pick up the phone and join us, 888-6-LESLIE. 888-653-7543. Um, Scott, I, I want to talk um, also uh, about... We, before the break, you get to touch upon it. Anything more to say about the China problem and why this is such a problem for America? We've addressed the deficit between imports and exports in the past and how, in the past and how that needs to be turned around, lack of quality of goods, and how this has hurt American manufacturing, the American working class, um, who definitely turned out en masse to vote for Trump to change this and turn this around. Can some of these types of appointments turn this around? I mean, what needs to be done you know, if if you had Donald Trump's ear, uh, the incoming president, what would you tell him to do with these appointments in regard to not just China, uh, but trade and manufacturing across the board? Yeah, I think open Chinese markets insist that they play by the rules uh, to much more aggressively defend our own market. And I, I will say, Leslie, you know, I'm perfectly fine with Trump kind of tweeting at General Motors and Ford and, um, you know, they're, they're never going to admit kind of the public effect that has on their sourcing decisions. Um, but I think a little attention and sunlight on that is actually helpful. And, and to the extent that uh, that can be somewhat of a driver of uh, corporate decision-making and bringing jobs back to the United States, hey, I'll have to say I'm, I'm for that. Uh, I mean, it's not... It's, it's, you know, sometimes it has to be fact-checked. Sometimes um, things are not, uh, you know, you know tr- Trump is kind of overstates what he's been able to do. Uh, but I think, you know, I think having someone engaged and watching some of these sourcing decisions um, is, is going to be good for bringing back manufacturing jobs. And, and there may be some people who disagree with that, but if he's going to tweet about stuff, let's, let's, you know, tweet about companies bringing jobs back to the United States. I am, uh, yeah, that, that, that's, uh, that, that's okay with me. Um, I'm with you. I'm, I'm with you there, Scott, because honestly, yeah. I don't like the idea of him tweeting. I don't think it's presidential, but this is not going to stop. But to me, rather than tweeting something negative about a former union person, an individual per individual that he's supposed to be commander in chief over and that guy getting death threats. Well, why don't you call out companies that are making parts overseas and, and claim to have, you know, a made in America kind of, you know, uh, uh, image. Uh, why don't you call out companies that aren't treating their workers okay? Uh, you know, I don't I don't have, you know, a problem with that because, you know, sometimes people are lazy and don't do their due diligence and homework when they're looking at who's making what and where. Yeah, you're right. And I was just thinking about that today because, you know, Obama's going to deliver his kind of farewell address tonight. And, yeah, we've had lots of conversations about what Obama has done for manufacturing. You know, has he brought back manufacturing jobs? And, you know, he obviously, you know, was was very constrained on Twitter, you know, was not 
you know, doesn't, you know, he thinks through everything that he does and has a very kind of calm, um, calm and elegant way about talking about things. And I remember one instance at, uh, and you may remember this too, where, you know, the auto industry was in dire straits. Uh, we, you know, we're in the Great Recession and Congress passes this cash for clunkers program. Do you remember that where you could trade? I do. As a matter of fact, our local NPR station, which is KPCC here in Los Angeles, they uh, they can they had PSAs for it for quite some time. Yeah, and so so a lot of people took advantage of it. I mean, and it, and it surged, you know, auto sales. And you know, I was upset, and I know Leo Gerard of the Steelworkers was upset, and some others were upset that, that it applied to all. You know, you could buy any car; it didn't have to be an American-made car. It could be any car. And so we tried to get that changed. And and Obama knew that that we were upset about this. And and I remember him at a at a press conference specifically saying, "And when you buy a car, I hope you'll consider an American-made car." But that's about as close to direction that, that he provided uh, in that regard. I mean, you can imagine what Trump would say about something like that. But it was, um, you know, but Obama in his own way tried to nudge things here and there, but, you know, big miss on trade policy, um, even though he got a lot of other things right, uh, I, I believe. And it's, a, it's this completely different approach that corporate America is having to deal with now. And part of it is is very unpredictable, um, and uh, you know, and 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 you don't want to. No matter who you are, you don't want someone lashing out at you on Twitter. If you're a publicly held corporation, there's a lot of risk associated with that. And um, but, but I, I do think that it's going to drive uh, corporate decision making for the years to come. And you know, obviously, Trump has promised them tax reform and and and, and has claimed that he'll bring health care costs down and, and regulations and all of this. And 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 there are, there are you know tremendous downsides. Uh, for all of those approaches, but I think on trade, uh, and I, I heard the the uh, CEO of uh, FCA, you know Fiat Chrysler, the former Chrysler Corporation, just say this yesterday that look, if if he puts tariffs on our products from Mexico and raises our cost of doing business there, we won't have a choice but to leave Mexico. You know, we'll we'll come back to the United States, and and I think that's exactly what Trump's trying to do here. And and that you know those are some good things because like left or right everybody wants a robust economy everybody wants you know more jobs uh, to say an economy is in the complete toilet when you have less than a five percent unemployment rate is not realistic but certainly there are, there are people out there who don't feel the improvements the economy has made or the drop in unemployment uh, has made they they want to see more jobs and they want to see um, uh, more opportunity for for jobs in their field especially those who are the majority of this country which are uh, the working class the middle class. Uh, pick up the phone to join us, 888-6-Leslie, 888-653-7543. Ishmael rejoins us in Virginia, line three. Ishmael, thank you for calling, question, or comment for our guest, Scott. Actually, uh, both. Thank you, Leslie, so much for taking my call and greeting to your guests. You know, Trump can start by bringing jobs, by bringing his own jobs and, and his wife uh, manufacturing job and his daughter. He can start uh, leading by an example. Uh, my question is to your guests, you know, to be honest with you, Trump was elected by people who you represent, you know, people who manufacture, people who want jobs back. You know, have, have he been in contact with you? And what specific policies or guidelines would you recommend for him to start implementing or would you like to see happen uh, uh, with Trump? 
Scott? It's a great, great questions. Um, so, uh, look, I agree that the the Trump branded products should be made in America, and you know Ivanka Trump has a clothing line. It's very glamorous. Look, there's lots of celebrities that have clothing lines, and they make them in the United States. Mary, Mary, Kate, and uh, mm-hmm. and Ashley, Ashley Olson. Am I yeah. getting that right? The Olsen twins yeah. um, uh, have one. Sarah Jessica Parker. Uh, makes a lot of her clothing in the United States, um, and and so it, it's not um, you know it's not impossible to do, and it would lend a lot of cachet to the brand and to you know the authenticity on this. And so, absolutely, I do. Now, shifting to to the administration and and representing the people and who they're talking to, uh, you know, I'll, I'll candidly say there's a very small community of those of us who have been critics of trade policy in Washington D.C. You know, we at the Alliance for American Manufacturing, uh, the United Steelworkers, and others. And so, so yes, the administration, the Trump, the the incoming administration, um, the president-elect's office, has certainly reached out to us for ideas and thoughts um, Mm -hmm. on trade policy. Uh, And it is, uh, which which is a good thing. And and I'm glad that they have. The, The question for me. Ishmael and Leslie is that you know once he takes office, you know wh- what is actually going to get done? What, what's going to get done? And I think a lot of people ask that, right? Yeah. yeah when, you know, when you have a lot of promises and a lot of generalizations, a lot of people ask that. Ishmael, thank you for your call. Uh, we're going to take a quick break. We'll be back with Scott Paul, president of the AAM. Pick up the phone and join us eight 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 six Leslie eight 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 six five three seven five four three. Follow me on Twitter and tweet me there at Leslie Marshall. I'll incorporate your tweets throughout the hour. Follow Scott as well at Scott Paul AAM and check out the website for the AAM AmericanManufacturing Back after this, and when we get back after this, we're going to talk about the jobs report. We're going to talk about the gains in jobs, specifically in manufacturing, and what can be done more to create more jobs, that is. Back after this. Life, liberty, and the pursuit of truth. The Leslie Marshall Show. Give her a call now at 888-6-LESLIE. Welcome, welcome back. We're talking with Scott and Paul, president of the Alliance for American Manufacturing. Check them out on Twitter. Follow Scott there at Scott Paul AAM. The website is AmericanManufacturing.org. Um, Scott, thanks for holding. Welcome back. Manufacturing gained this year 17, not this year, this past month in uh, December, 17,000 jobs. But, you know, we can create more. And I know that you and those at the AAM not only feel we can create more, but you have specific ideas, uh, solutions to this problem and how to create more, and that, that is just creating the right policies, right? 
Uh, yeah, that's a big part of it. I mean, I mean, there's some things that are beyond our control, like, you know, if, if there's weakness in a country like Brazil or Europe or China that is, has a large consumer market and, and a big industrial base, that obviously affects what happens here. But, but there are a lot of things that are, that are well within the control of public policy, and, and all of them matter. It matters what kind of a tax policy we have and whether it's one that benefits Wall Street and outsourcing or one that benefits workers here at home and companies that are making investments in the United States. It matters what kind of a trade policy have, we have. If we, let, if we let other countries cheat on their trade agreements, steal our intellectual property, not enforce their labor and environmental laws, that's going to cost us job, but, jobs. But if we push back, uh, we can bring more of those jobs home. If we're investing in doing the things we need to do and have the Congress do the things it needs to do to invest in our workforce, to invest in our infrastructure, uh, to invest in our innovation, uh, we're going to be better positioned to compete because we'll have cutting-edge research, we'll have uh, an efficient transportation system, we'll have a well-prepared workforce. So all of those things work together, and they, they really do matter, and they make a difference. Um, and, and if the administration is going to devote some of its time to actively seeking to bring companies back to the United States, that's obviously going to send signals as well. And so I think that there's a lot of work that can be done. We've had a very flat trajectory of manufacturing job growth uh, since about uh, the beginning of 2015. Uh, so that's, you know, that's, we've had two years where there hasn't been much job creation at all. Overall, the president added, President Obama added about 315,000 manufacturing jobs in his second term. Over the course of his two terms, he ended up losing some in part because of the, the, the impact of the Great Recession, but that was a far better record, Leslie, than George Bush had when we saw a complete collapse of manufacturing employment in the United States. So, look, I hope, I hope Trump improves on it. Um, I, I, I hope he does, and, but it's going to take smart policies uh, and a good business cycle and some other things to fall into place that are generally outside of the control of the president to make that happen. Um, okay, I want to take some more calls, and uh, let's go next to Sam in Asheville, North Carolina, Line 3, listening on WPK hey, 880, The Revolution. Hey, Sam, question or comment for our guest, Scott Paul? Yes, how you doing? My first time called. I listen to you every time I can. Thank you. And I appreciate your show. I'm calling a reference. First of all, I don't trust none of them people that he has chosen for his cabinet. I'm hoping that we... Look real hard before we do our confirmation, and especially the particular the one that was this morning talking about his past as a racist from from deep south in Alabama, and his connection to the KKK. And my other comment was about bringing back jobs to the United States manufacturing. Uh, we could have probably had more job growth, and we have done good. If the other side of the aisle had worked with the president over Barack Obama and his trade deals and bringing jobs back, but he need to stop trying to get credit for that something that's already been done, like the uh, cell phone deal that Barack did. He come out, he kept these jobs in America and all of that. But I'm hoping that he will work like he promised with the working class and bringing jobs back. But I don't see it happening because. The more jobs overseas, the more it put money in their pockets, the upper rich. Okay, Scott? 
Yeah, yeah, and, and I think Sam raises a good point. Is that I and I want to make clear I'm not endorsing all of Trump's you know cabinet selections. I think a lot of them raise extreme questions and deserve a lot of vetting and and scrutiny. But but the the trade team, kind of the trade and manufacturing team, uh, look, these are people that I know, or if, uh, Leo Gerard knows, and and you know they're people we can work with. The question is what kind of authority they're going to have, what kind of uh, priorities is the administration going to pursue? Are they going to be divisive? Are they going to bring people together? I think on manufacturing, there's a real opportunity. And, you know, Sam's calling from North Carolina. This is a state that has been devastated by manufacturing job loss. And so there's a lot that can be gained. There's a lot of, there's a lot of skilled workers there. There's a lot of know-how. Uh, and with some better policies, uh, we, we can get it done. And it is going to take Congress. And I'm glad that, that, that Sam the caller mentioned that as well, because you know, Obama was thwarted by the Congress for for getting a lot of potentially good things done, and uh, you know, it, Congress will have to prove to me that it's that it's functioning now. I'm not going to take that for granted, and I'm sure you aren't either, Leslie. <laughs> I appreciate that. Okay, and thank you to the call um, there. Um, let's talk specifically. Um, well, well, first of all, you know. Uh, We've talked about Trump possibly being a nightmare for progressives on a lot of issues and how he's going to be on trade issues. Have you had to bet, Scott, sorry this is in Vegas, and we know what happens there stays there, but uh, will do you think he'll be better than Obama if he does what he has given lip service to, at least from the campaign up until now and with these appointments? Yeah, Leslie, that's a good question. So if he, you know, he gave his speech on trade and steel in particular in Pennsylvania in, in June, and if he does what he said in his speech in June, I'd be a pretty happy person on his trade policy. And let me make that clear, on his trade policy. Um, uh, but I, you know, there's, there's often a gap between rhetoric and reality. You know, Obama talked in 2008 of renegotiating NAFTA and, you know, getting really tough on trade policy, and, and a lot of that got brushed aside because of diplomatic concerns and other priorities, and then he had a lot of Wall Street people uh, that were doing the, the economic policy uh, in the administration. So it's, you know, it's, it's I, you know, I, I, I don't, I, I'm not, I'm not going to trust what the administration says. I'm going to urge them to do the right thing and look to make sure they're doing the right thing. I'll praise them when they're doing the right thing, and I'm going to call them out when they're not. And I think that's that's the way that we all have to proceed. Uh, yeah, no question about that. But you talked about, we talked about Twitter a little earlier in the hour and uh, President-elect Trump calling out certain companies. And there's been a response to that by certain automakers. Fiat Chrysler uh, is going to add jobs here in the United States. Is that a direct result of Trump putting a spotlight on the industry? Um, some would say, oh, that's because they've, you know, they, they're promising to uh, uh, lift regulations, uh, which, you know, obviously uh, many on the right, Trump included, have demonized uh, unions for. And Obama and other Democrats and administrations like the president's for. Uh, but talk to us about the Fiat Chrysler automobiles. And very quickly, you have like two sentences to go. <laughs> Got it. I think that some corporations already have these plans. They're they're very smart about publicity. I think in other cases that a Trump nudge will help to get things across the finish line. Okay. But you know that's the president's going to take a credit for a lot. But we have to really look at what's being done by the companies on their. Own. Absolutely. I think that's an important point, Leslie. Thanks. Thank you, Scott. Scott Paul, president of the Alliance for American Manufacturing. Follow him on Twitter at Scott Paul AM, the website AmericanManufacturing.org.